Well, grateful for all of you. Um, grateful for you know just the people that the Lord brings um, to our church. Um, you know, it's hard for, for me. My name is Kevin. I've been here since the beginning. You know, not not Genesis the beginning, <laughs> or not John the beginning, but since the beginning of this church when we first planted it. So, yeah, it's been amazing to see um, just people that the Lord brings, you know, back when we were just meeting in like a community center and different classrooms, but the Lord has been faithful. Um, so this is our Harvest and Hospitality Ministry. It's really a ministry that um, includes welcoming our new visitors and getting to, you know, share with you guys what our church is about. But, you know, even before what our church is about in particular, about what the church in general, as a whole, is about and what Christ expects of that. For many of you who are new, who are not members yet, or maybe you haven't even committed yourself to attending our church, um, you may be wondering and you may be asking the questions, okay, what should I actually be looking for in a church? What constitutes a healthy church and what constitutes an unhealthy church? And how do I even think about that? So hopefully today we'll give you some pointers on that and some principles from his word to think through that. Um, of course, they're not exhaustive principles, but we do hope to address some things that um, you should think about. So last time, Mark walked through the importance of being a part of the church and making the connection that fellowship with the real Jesus Christ means being part of his church as well. And because Jesus Christ himself gave the authority and the call for the church on earth to affirm and reflect his kingdom in heaven, being a member of his church on earth affirms that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven as well. And all of that is founded upon an individual person's confession of who Jesus Christ really is. So we need to be part of a local church since it is a reflection of who we are in Christ if you are a believer. And hopefully at least that much is clear. But that said, even though we are called to be a part of a church, should you come to this church? Is this what the Lord wants for you? Or should you be a part of a different church? Because if someone goes to a different church, they're not in sin. If they come in here and they don't go to a different church, it's not like they're in sin either. So what do you look for? What is a church supposed to be? What should a church look like? And what should you be looking for in a church? So let's just open it up here. I'd like to hear from you guys a little bit, some participation. Um... What are some things that people look for in a church? And this could be good reasons, good things to look for, or not so good reasons, but what are some things that people actually look for when they're looking for a church home? Say that again? Support. Support, definitely. I heard someone say free food. Was that you, Eli? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are some other things that, it, it's true, some people do look for free food. Um, location, yes, absolutely. Is it close? Can I walk there? Can I drive there? Can I bike there? Community, that's a big one. I hear that one a lot. What else do people look for when they're picking a church? Preaching style. There are different preaching styles? <clears throat> yeah, there are different preaching styles. Absolutely. Huh? Fellowship. Yes, absolutely. Serving. How to serve. Yes. I heard something back there, but I didn't quite get it. Music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's a, 
a controversial one. <laughs> music style, are drums okay? Are they sinful? Um, what else? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one too. Program for their kids, children's ministries. And kind of along those lines, like maybe you're not a family with kids. Maybe you are a college student. Oh, is there a college program? Or if you're a single adult, oh, is there a single adult program? What kinds of things are there that, anything else, guys? Small groups, yes, absolutely. Having small groups, people that you can connect with, absolutely. So those are a lot of the most common ones. And for better or worse, that's what people look for in a church. But as always, when we're trying to honor Christ in everything that we do, looking for a church is a part of that. And we can't simply rely on our gut feel and kind of what we think we want. We need to consider the scriptures and what they say about what a church is supposed to be, and that should help guide us in terms of looking for a church. So we want to turn to the Bible. We want to turn to God's Word to understand that. Uh, What a church is supposed to be, what should a church strive to be? Or to borrow the title of this book, which I'm taking a lot of these things from, What is a Healthy Church? So if you guys wanted some additional resources on this, please just come and see me afterwards. I only have one copy right now, so come quick. Uh, But our welcome team does have some additional copies if you're interested in finding out more and reading through this book. Uh, But let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, and I'm going to be going to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you're looking for an epistle that really outlines God's plan and God's intention for the church, you can't get much better than the book of Ephesians. And even though the other books that we're going through, um, that that we go through the books of the Bible, that we go through Logos and things like that, like we study 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, those are all good too. But Ephesians 4, and I'm looking specifically at verse, verses 11, and I'll read all the way down to verse 24 for us. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So according to this passage, 
what should the church aspire to be? What should the the church ideally be? And let me just highlight a few verses uh, for you all. Verse 12, it talks about building up the body of Christ. So that's one aspect of what the church is doing, what the church is for. Verse 13 talks about the fullness of Christ. Verse 15, it talks about growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Are you sensing a theme there? Verse 24, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness and likeness of God. According to Colossians 1, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So we're talking when it talks about created after the likeness of God, it's being created in Christ-likeness. According to this passage, what is a healthy church supposed to be? A healthy church is a church whose members grow towards Christ-likeness together. A healthy church is a church whose members grow towards Christ-likeness together. So the church, this collection of those whom God has saved, is the earthly representation of God's kingdom of heaven, and we're meant to grow into Christ-likeness with one another. So when we're looking for a church, one of the primary questions that you should be asking is, will I look more like Christ, who is the perfect image of the Creator, and being a part of this church? Will I grow in Christ-likeness with other brothers and sisters in this church? And notice what is absent in this passage. Not to say that this passage has everything that there is to say about a healthy church, but notice what things are not there. Felt needs, like self-affirmation, a place that will make me feel good about myself. And none of you said that specifically as a reason why people come to church, but I think it's a little bit implicit in a lot of the things that you guys mentioned. A place that makes me feel comfortable with who I am. You want to be in a place that feels that makes you feel comfortable with who you are? Yeah, that seems like it would feel good, but is that what Jesus wants for us? To feel good about who we are. That's actually kind of the opposite. We're meant to change from who we are into someone else. And generally, that's not a very comfortable thing, right? It doesn't mention anything about music preferences. Uh, worldly commonalities. Oh, I'm looking for people who are my ethnicity. I'm looking for people who are my age, my demographic, who share the same social and economic level as me. I want to be in a place where people have the same interests. I want to be in a place, my kind of people, right? Children's programs are not mentioned here either. So how much of what people look for in a church is simply a place that makes them most comfortable, right? But the church is not about being comfortable. And if that's what we're looking for, there are much better places to get that, right? We could join a country club. We could join a spa. We could join something else, right? The church is different. It's not just a collection of people who are here for social reasons. The church is meant to be an assembly of people who change from who we were before Christ to who we are in Christ. And we need to be changing to be more like our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. To put to death more and more of the sin that was part of our old life and to put on more and more of the new life that is in Christ. That's what the church is doing. That's why we gather. So is that comfortable? Is that comfortable? If not, 
change is oftentimes the furthest thing from being comfortable. Now, whenever we have membership classes, which we hope to start um, early next year, I take the opportunity to describe how the Lord has brought me um, through different churches. Um, I haven't always been so committed to the local church. When I was in college, I attended a lot of churches. And that's not a good thing. That's not a thing to be, to be proud of. Um, and what I did that because I just was seeking to get something out of these churches. I was looking for something that those churches could offer me. So what I did is I went to one church where it was, you know, a lot of my friends were. So I could have that social connection there and a lot of people I knew and that comfortability there. I attended another church because the preacher was funny and he made me laugh. True story. I attended another church because the worship services were amazing. So someone who said music, that was me. That was me. Their services were like a spiritual rock concert. They had everything. They had the fog machines. They had the lights. The band would actually tour. Um, so the whole thing. And they like produced this like like spiritual high. Like every time that I went, I felt like so uplifted, you know. And that would last for a few hours. And then next week, I'd need another hit of that spiritual high, so I'd go back for that. I attended another church because it was small and it was easier to build new relationships when a church is small. So I like that about that. And lastly, probably most shamefully, I attended another church actually because I didn't know anybody there. I attended a church where I didn't know anybody because it was a place that I could hide, where no one would hold me accountable for my sin and I could just go on living the way that I wanted to live. So, I attended churches that would make me feel good about myself, make me feel comfortable with where I was, and even though I knew at the time there was sin in my life, I didn't want to be in a place where people uh, would hold me accountable to putting off my sin and becoming more like Jesus. I was, I was not interested in that at that time. I did not pick any church because those churches would help me to become more like my Savior, Christ. So when we're answering the question of what is a healthy church, one of the answers that we can give is a church where I will grow and change to be more like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's get into the practicals. So according to our passage, how does a church grow together towards Christ-likeness? What are the means of growth and the means of change that you should find in a church? What are those marks that we should look for? And from this passage, I'd like to highlight three. Um, there's more, but I'd like to highlight just three provisions that Christ gives his church. These are not the only three things, obviously, but they are things that you shouldn't overlook when you're considering what Christ wants for you and your church home. Verse 11 in Ephesians 4, it says that Christ provided apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. This is not just a random list of different roles in the church. It's actually a list that tells the story of how God provides for his church. You see, when the, first, when the church was first started, did they have the Bible? Did the church have the Bible when it first started? Yes, they had the Old Testament scriptures, but if we were to hold up our Bible today, they didn't have part of that, right? 
there was continual revelation still happening, right? And they didn't have the whole of those things. And they certainly had the scriptures, but they didn't, they had the Old Testament scriptures. The New Testament was still being written when the church was first established. And also, when the church was established, Christ was no longer traveling around teaching and preaching like he was before the church was established. He had ascended into heaven already at that point. So then, how would the early church know what Christ had to say to them? How would the early church know what Christ had to say to them? When Christ ascended into heaven, he did not leave the church alone. He provided guidance to his church. And how did he do that? We see this here in verse 11. Firstly, number one, he provided spirit to the church, the Holy Spirit. But in verse 11, we see that God has always provided men to speak his truth and to steward his word. God provided and preserved his word through apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And that is a provision of Christ for his church. So Christ provides leaders in the church who preach and protect the truth. And that is something that is critical and key when you're looking at a church body. Is Christ provided? Are there leaders in this church who preach and protect the truth of God's word? So verse 11 specifically outlines Starting in the early church, when the Bible was still being completed, the early church received God's word, his revelation, through the apostles and prophets. Apostles and prophets, those are the people who received the revelation from God directly. And for the apostles and prophets, they would write down God's words and transmit it to other people through recording it through the scriptures. That's how we got our New Testament. The apostles writing down through the Holy Spirit's inspiration what God's words were. Evangelists, those people who would take the gospel, who would take God's word and God's saving good news and preach it to places and people who did not yet have the gospel, thus growing the early church. That's another provision of God's word to his people through evangelists and shepherds and teachers. People who would oversee and care for God's church where the gospel had been established through ministering his word to his people through counsel and through preaching, the shepherds and teachers. So verse 11 is telling us that Christ provides for the growth into Christ-likeness of his people through men who have ministered and continue to minister his word to the church. So that's something you should look for. You should look for leaders who minister God's word to you and protect God's truth. So if the leaders of the church do not preach and protect God's word, it is not a healthy church. It's clear from preaching and counsel and also the life of the leaders, it should be clear that God's word is a priority and their ministry and the primary means by which they shepherd the people and the flock of God is through God's word. Because if it isn't, then the church is not going to grow into Christ-likeness. God's word is the means by which we grow into Christ-likeness. So if the leadership is not prioritizing that and ministering that and counseling that and shepherding that, we're removed from the means that the Lord grows us through his word. And certainly we can get it on our own. Certainly we each can read our Bibles. Certainly we each can spend time in there. But we would not be fully utilizing all of God's means of grace to us to provide us that growth and shepherding. 
2 Timothy 3.16, you guys should know this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. You should mature, equipped for every good work. So scriptures alone, the breathed out words of God, is profitable for all the activities that we're talking about here, the teaching, the correcting, training, and righteousness that completes and equips the members of his body, his church. So, is God's word a priority in the church, in your church, in the churches that you're considering? Moving on to our next one, um, is verse 11, all that Christ provides for growth and change in the church. Is that it? No, it's not. He provides more. If we go down to verse 15 of Ephesians 4, it says, and Ted taught on this last time in uh, Cornerstone as well, it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We're talking about maturing into Christ-likeness, aren't we? And how do we do that? Or what is the means that is given here for us to grow into the head, into Christ? It's speaking the truth in love. And yes, this is a responsibility of the leaders, but it's not just talking about the leaders here. When it talks about speaking the truth in love, that's talking about all of us. So in his church, Christ also provides other members in that church who speak the truth and love to one another. That's another provision that Christ gives. Christ provides other members in the church to speak truth to one another. And that's an important reminder for all of us here, that one aspect of how we're involved in the life of the body is are we speaking truth to one another in love? And this is an important point because it reinforces the fact that you won't be walking well with Christ if it's just you by yourself, at least not in the long haul. So if it's just you following Christ by yourself, at the very least, you're not obeying this command, are you? You're not speaking the truth in love to someone else. You can't speak the truth in love to one another if you don't have any others to speak to. And you certainly won't be receiving the benefit of having truth spoken into your life if you're not a regular part of the church life and the church body. So if you are a Christian... Christ wants you to grow and mature in him. And one of the resources that he has provided in the church in particular are other members to speak truth in a mutually edifying way. And this is necessarily meant to happen in the context of the whole church body. This passage talks about uh, verse 16, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a whole church view when we're talking about this aspect of growing into Christ-likeness. And just like a body can't be, or a body part, I should say, it can't be independently healthy and growing apart from the rest of the body, right? You can't just be separated from the body and say that it is a healthy part of Christ's church. And if you just imagine the illustration and taking it to an extreme, you just imagine like a single arm disconnected from the body, just doing push-ups by itself. And I don't care how many push-ups it can do. It's not healthy. 
if it's disconnected from the rest of the body. And that's why it's such a concern for the church if someone's absent, if someone's missing from the life of the church for an extended period of time, and there could be legitimate reasons for that, including family, things that come up, work, travel that comes up, health issues, but even having legitimate reasons for being absent, it doesn't mean that we're not vulnerable when we are absent. When we're apart from the body of Christ, without brothers and sisters who are regularly speaking the truth into our lives. Because you are meant to grow as a part of the body. And you are meant to speak truth into each other's lives, as well as receiving that truth from others. Even the quote-unquote strongest Christians, when removed from the body of Christ, often will go astray. And we see that over and over and over again. Even the strongest Christians, people that you would not expect would ever, need to, would ever struggle spiritually, they don't do well when they're not regularly involved in the body of Christ. Now, some of you may recall there's a gifted preacher, evangelist, and apologist by the name of Ravi Zacharias. Generally universally respected as a Christian leader. And a few years ago, he passed away. And when he did, it came to light that he was a man who was leading a double life. He was a man who lived a life of deceit and rampant immorality. And over the years, as his ministry grew, as he frequently traveled for speaking engagements and all the busyness that comes from running a worldwide ministry, he became less and less present in his local church body. By all accounts, he was not a churchman. And his ministry and his personal life was not held accountable by a church. Now, I don't have a crystal ball to be able to tell you, like, oh, if only he had been part of a church. None of this would have happened. We don't know that. But what we do know is that part of God's means and protection and provision for us, he didn't have in his life. And he was a man who fell away and was not held accountable. So one of Christ's means of grace is you guys, one another, who can help to keep us from the path of sin. A healthy church has members who will be involved in your life. And your growth and your sanctification into Christ-likeness, as well as the churches, it doesn't come from just hanging out in church picnics. You know, we had a great lunch just now, so thank you for the team for providing the lunch, and those times are great, right? But if that's all we did together, we got together and we enjoyed lunch together, that would not promote Christ-likeness. But those events, those church picnics, lunches, things like that, those small groups, they provide us the opportunity to use those times to speak the truth and love to one another. And that is what changes us. The truth is what grows us, and the members of the church are one of those mechanisms to deliver the life-changing truth that Christ has for us. And we need to get plugged into that. I need that. So we talked about those two things. Christ provided the leaders of the church to guard and protect the truth and minister the truth of God's word to us. Other members as well to speak the truth in love and we grow together in Christ-likeness. So those are things that you should be on your mind as you consider, is this my church home or should I look for another a church home elsewhere? What else? Third thing. Jumping down to verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You are able to put off the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self because you have learned Christ. Verse 21 clarifies, the truth is in Christ. So, our third point, Christ provides himself, who is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Christ gives himself. When we consider how Christ provides for the growth and sanctification of his church, he provides himself, who is the truth. The bottom line, in the church, in your own walk, you need Christ. And if Christ is not present at the church, if Christ is not present in your life, there is no spiritual life. There's nothing there to speak of at all. And the measure to which a church is healthy or not, and the measure to whether you are doing well spiritually or not, doesn't boil down to, am I doing my quiet times and my praying? Certainly those things help. What it boils down to Are you trusting and obeying Christ and his word? That's what it boils down to. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2 and 5, For I determined to know, not to know, anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And later on in the same book, 1 Corinthians 3, Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, one of the burdens of the shepherds of the church is to hear that people are spiritually stagnant. That's a burden. I remember we've called them dry spells. I remember being in going to fellowship groups in college and just talking about how, like, I'm going through a dry spell right now. Things just don't seem to be spiritually doing too well. There will be seasons, months, even for some people, years, where they don't seem to be growing in Christ-likeness at all. And when we find ourselves spiritually unhealthy and dry, when we find ourselves not growing, sometimes we might ask ourselves, why? What's wrong? What's missing here? But if people are stagnating spiritually, it's actually not a big mystery why. It's usually very clear. If you're not changing and growing to be more like Christ, you need to be closer to Christ. At the end of the day, that's what we all need. That's it. Now, how do we grow closer to Jesus? Now, if we've already been given new life in Christ, that's also not a a mystery. If we don't have life in Christ at all, then we need to ask and pray and be on our knees before him that he would come into our hearts and change us and transform us and save us from our sins. But if you have been given new life in Christ and you're struggling spiritually, most of us already know why. Now last time um, we had our Harvest and Hospitality meeting, I believe Mark should have talked about how fellowship is about the real Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? And there are two aspects that I would like to emphasize. And I've already stated them. Jesus Christ is Savior. That's who the real Jesus Christ is. And secondly, Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Those two titles I want to highlight in particular. He is Savior and he is Lord. What does, what does that mean? He is Savior means that we need to trust in him and his words. That's what you do with a Savior. You trust in a Savior and his words. He is Lord. What does that mean? Well, if he's Lord, that means we obey him and his words. Now, is that complicated? Is that complicated? We trust the Savior, we obey our Lord. Trust and obey Christ. Is that difficult? can be. It certainly can be. But is it complicated? No, not really. And oftentimes, I speak for myself, we're fooled into believing that things are more complicated than they really are, which obscures the fact that we're not doing the simplest things that the Lord calls us to. I'm not saying that we do this intentionally even. We also have the evil one and the world who are feeding our distractions and the falsehoods that we believe. And you know them well. Like, oh, I have school. I'm really busy with school. I have work. I have a lot of things, a lot of projects to do. I have family. There's this season that, you know, a lot of things going on in my family right now that I need to take care of. And this project or that project, this assignment, that assignment, that's why I'm not doing well spiritually. But the result is the same. When all God is calling us to do is simply trust and obey, we add in all of these other things that complicate things. These things which can become excuses for not doing the simplest things that the Lord is calling us to. Trust and obey Jesus Christ. How often have we said, like, oh, it's just a busy season. Things are just really hard right now. Trust and obey Jesus Christ. You don't understand. My circumstances are like this. Things are just not that simple. I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm under a lot of stress right now. That's why I'm not doing well spiritually. Trust and obey Jesus Christ. And if we do these things, it doesn't mean that all those, those other things are just going to go away. But it doesn't mean that our life is going to get better. It may actually get more uncomfortable. But what it does mean is that we will become more like Christ when we do those things. So, you know, everything that we're talking about now, these things are foolishness to the world, right? They are foolishness to the world. The world will tell you, you need to take care of this thing, you need to take care of that thing, you need to take care of the other thing, and get to a place where um, you are, you have your things taken care of, and then you can come to Christ. And then you can work on this other aspect of things. That's backwards. You need to come to Christ first. All those other things, ultimately, they don't matter. You know, and I don't want to sound insensitive. Are you saying my family doesn't matter? I'm not saying that. But it's not more important than who Jesus is. And the best place that we can be is with Jesus Christ. And that's going to be the best things for all those other areas of our life as well. If we're trusting and obeying Jesus Christ. How much sense does it make to the world to commit yourself to be a part of the church? Why not just grab some lessons from the teaching and get some friendships, get some relationships, and then get your weekly fill as a church or some sort of spiritual gas station that you can just fill up and be on your merry way and then just live however you want? What we do in the church doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to the world. But the world doesn't care about being like Christ, and we do. That's why it's different. The Bible reminds us it's the same people that think it's foolish to follow Christ, 
It's foolish to become more like Christ. It's foolish to be a part of the church and commit yourself to a local body. These are also the people that the scriptures say are perishing. When the scriptures talk about foolishness, it frequently paired with their end. What's going to become of them? And that's perishing. And for me, I'd much rather be a fool for Christ, right? If it means being more like him, and if it means calling him my Savior and Lord, then if that is what being a fool is, then sign me up for that, right? That's who we are as a church. And I'd rather be a fool than wise in the world's eyes and perishing. So when we're looking to be a part of a healthy church, look for a place where it's very evident and clear that Christ and his word are present. Okay? If you visit a church, you hear the preaching week in and week out, and it seems okay, it seems okay, but you notice they haven't talked about Christ in a very long time. You know? That's a clue. And I'm not going to outright say, like, okay, heretical church or anything like that. You know, but if you go to a church for a season and you don't hear much about Christ at all, Christ who is the foundation of our faith, Christ who is our Savior, Christ who is our Lord, Christ who is the all in all of our life, why aren't we talking about him? Right? So if Christ is absent and Christ is missing from a church, it's not a healthy church. 